Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ESNY. Sunday at 7.30, uh, quarantine life still in effect, hanging as always with my guy Chip Murphy, ready to do another pod. Chip, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Uh, ready to talk some basketball. Uh, trying to get through this whole quarantine thing. Heard the news about from uh, the New York City mayor today about the New York City uh, public schools and was thinking about you and then he quickly got cock-blocked by the governor <laughs> five minutes later. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, de Blasio and uh, a, the, rift, the rift between de Blasio and, and Cuomo is is always funny. Um, but I think, I don't know, whatever, because I actually didn't hear the Cuomo piece. Like, I came home, I was actually going on a run, and then I came home and I saw somebody on Twitter post that NYC schools have been closed, and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, the whole country's doing that, so it was only a matter of time before we were going to do it. And then someone had said, like, oh, mixed messages, Cuomo said this. Honestly, it doesn't really affect too much of what's going on for me. I think we're going to be working at home for the foreseeable future. I've been transitioning yeah, with think- that so far, so it is what it is. But it's always funny to see the two of them in the news just like sniping back and forth at each other. So Yeah, they don't like each other. Yeah, very clearly. Two rich, <laughs> two, two rich politicians don't like each other. Who yeah, sh- shocker, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but aside from quarantine and, and whatnot, um, Chip and I have been starting off with this, this redraft series that we've been doing. We did the 2010 draft last week. Which, uh, you know, both Chip and I will agree is not too exciting, not very heavy, not a lot of um, significant debates there. You know, we're hoping 2011 will be a little bit different. And we actually decided to switch up the order a little bit this time. We wanted to start at the top of the draft, meaning going from 1 through 14. Um, And obviously we looked at all 60 picks and, you know, people that were undrafted seeing where um you know they fit now you know when hindsight is 2020 looking at the numbers the tape and just kind of like our overall recollection and feelings of of who they are as players um and once again the, the rules are the same you know chip and i did not talk to each other we do not um we didn't consult on on the picks so we're just going straight off what what i think of the players and and what chip thinks of the players so um I think we're probably pretty sick. Ch- Ch- Chip, what do you think? We ready to get into it? Yeah, I'm ready to go. And I think this is definitely a much 
uh, better draft. I mean, I was looking at some of the stuff. We got seven all-stars in this draft, so it's a pretty stacked one. Uh, and uh, I think we'll probably be in general agreement for most of it based on our viewpoints on the league, but we'll see. I think this is going to be a, a good one. The, f- the first pick, I think, is a definite agreement but we'll see let's go <laughs> yeah no it's uh, the first pick's definitely going to be a lock um i'm excited about this one too so let's start it off um number one so in the 2011 draft in reality um this was kyrie irving going to the cleveland cavaliers kyrie, kyrie irving obviously um a former duke player chip knows about him all and well from new jersey uh we know kyrie's um career you know very very well but uh, no surprise here at the top um Kawhi Leonard uh the, the claw the stud four-time all-star two-time NBA champ three-time all-NBA five-time all-defensive team two-time finals MVP two-time defensive player of the year and that's how you know a player is good because I'm out of breath like I'm listing his accolades <laughs> And I'm out of breath, and and I need a, a minute because it that's how good Kawhi Leonard is. Win shares above seventy, um, despite the fact that he's mainly known for his mid-range game. A career thirty-eight percent shooter from three, eighty-five percent from the line, um, almost fifty percent from the field. Box plus minus of six point eight, and this was a cool stat that's kind of a little separate from the ones that we normally look at. Um, Chip, this was interesting to me. His true shooting percentage for his career is not even that much lower than Steve Nash. Like, that's how good Kawhi Leonard is. Not only is when he steps on the court, is he the most, um, you know, the, the best defensive player, probably, you know, the best offensive player with the exception of a, a, a couple players in the NBA, but the guy is an absolute stud. He's a silent killer. He doesn't get in your face. He's not going to yell at you and talk trash. Um, he just gets his business done, and you know he is he is by a long shot recognized as uh, one of the best players in the draft. Chip, I'm sure you had Kawhi up there as well. What do you got to say about him? I did, of course. Uh, I had him Kawhi first. Uh, uh, fourth among all active players in box plus minus behind LeBron, Chris Paul, and James Harden. Uh, Durant's fifth. Uh, so I was looking there. Uh, win shares, he's obviously not as high because he hasn't played uh, as long as some of these other guys. He's only got like, I think he said 73, so he's down in like the bottom 25. But, you know, he's, he's just a really impressive player. Like he's, I mean, two-time MVP. Uh, his win shares per forty-eight, though he's uh, top five, I think too. Yeah, win shares per forty-eight, he's also top five. Yeah, but uh, the, it's not just the the fact that he is a two-time champion to me. It's what he did in Toronto, like just that one season there. Like uh, you have to put him on top, just taking a team to their first finals win ever and in the fashion that he did it was so unbelievable and you mentioned his defense like he carries teams and plays great defense he's that good and he plays great defense like there's not a lot of guys you can say that about like 
guys don't play great defense anymore. How many times do we hear like analysts on TV be like, oh yeah, that guy can't play any defense, but who cares? No one in the NBA plays defense anymore. Right. Kawhi Leonard still plays elite defense. Yeah, not only does he have to go out and, you know, in, in most cases, shoulder the scoring load for his team, but he's also defending the best player on the opposite team. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's any number of reasons why Kawhi Leonard is, is just ungodly, um, and he's, he's clearly the number one here. Uh, so let's move on to number two. In reality, oh, wow, once a Nick, always a Nick, Derek Williams. <laughs> taken by the Minnesota Timberwolves here. Uh, Chip, I'm going to let you start us off. Who did you go with you. for number two? Okay, and this may not be your pick. I This is where we could get into a little discussion, but I went with Jimmy B here, Jimmy Butler. Okay, um, This is kind of a personal preference, I guess, but uh, I really like Jimmy Butler. If we had to go, I know Jimmy doesn't have a ring, uh, Kyrie has a ring, so Clay Thompson has a ring, so they have that over Jimmy. But we're talking about individuals here, which are, and I think that Jimmy, I put him over them. I not necessarily in terms of their careers, I guess, because Clay has played with such elite players. But if you put Clay in Minnesota, then does Clay become the player or have the career that he's had? You know, like if you take Jimmy second and he goes to Minnesota, I think Jimmy still becomes a superstar. If you take Kyrie and you put him in Minnesota and he never plays with LeBron James, does he become the Kyrie that we know now? Or is he always the Kyrie that he was in Boston? You know, like, does he just force his way out of, Minnesota, like he did Cleveland, because he never gets his ring, like LeBron got him in Cleveland. Um, I just it it kind of made the decision easier for me when I was thinking about uh, Kyrie or Jimmy Butler, and I I considered Clay too, but the fact that Clay's never really been a, a number one guy kind of pushed me off him a little bit. But uh, I went with uh, Jimmy Butler here. Yeah, so very interestingly enough, we are on the same page here. So Jimmy Butler okay, and I and I know that we've we've uh, just the two of us have never really talked too much Jimmy Butler before, but so Butler is like a top three favorite player in the NBA for me. Like my guys are Melo, Dame Lillard, and Jimmy Butler. Like I, I love me some Jimmy Butler. I I will look past the forcing his way out of Minnesota. I will look past some of the unprofessional stuff that he did. Because I think he's that good of a player, and I think he's just one of those guys to that's wired differently in the sense that I'm going to do everything I possibly can to be good and to make this basketball team good and win games. And if you're not on the same level, like I don't have the patience for that. And 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 while I don't think that that's the best attitude to have, it's kind of like a Kobe esque attitude. I understand why some of these like major alpha athletes do think like that, but. To me, what's so impressive about Butler is the fact that, um, I mean, yeah, five-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, four-time All-Defensive, and 2015's most improved player. Um, but what I love about him is the fact that, you know, he goes to Philly, and he's so valuable to the team that Coach Brett Brown essentially hands over 
the ball handling duties in the middle of the playoffs um, over Ben Simmons and gives them to Butler because they felt like his clutch shooting was so important and they felt like, you know, when they're in the pick and roll, uh, whether it's Embiid or whoever, you've got to be able to respect the ball handler's shot. That obviously was not going to be the case with Ben Simmons. And let's be honest, if it's not for Kawhi's amazing shot, Butler might be a big part of the reason that Philly is in the finals instead of Toronto. So I'm with Jimmy Butler at number two. You're going to get no arguments from me there. Um, but let's move on to number three here. And we have, uh, again, another former Nick, Ennis Cantor, who went to Utah. Um, interestingly enough, after not playing um, a damn minute in, in Kentucky and, um, you know, had a decent career for himself, it'll be interesting to see if either of us, uh, where we have him on this list or, or if we have him at all, that's a little tease for you guys. Um, but I went with the aforementioned Kyrie Irving here. So, um, Kyrie Irving, you know, originally drafted number one overall. Injuries have certainly played a part in in maybe his trajectory here, but there's some there are some great numbers that he's put up, and and it's not a small sample size. You know, twenty two and five for for his career. Um, you know, an, a guy with absolutely amazing handle. You know, sometimes you don't think shooter compared with that, but he's thirty nine percent from three. The wind shares are up there. They're above 64.5 BPM. Um, his playoff numbers for me are, are what what kind of separated him. Um, because I, I, I had a long conversation with myself about between him and Clay here. And uh, there was some you know serious con- consideration for, for putting Clay at three, especially because of the type of defender he is. But Kyrie in the playoffs, 23-5-3 on 45% shooting. 39% from three, 87% from the line, positive BPM in all playoff series. Um, you know, Kyrie going to Boston and getting away from LeBron and still having, you know, pretty great production, obviously not team success, uh, was probably, you know, what, what separates here. But Chip, I'm interested to see, did you go with Kyrie here at number three or did you go with Clay? I went with Clay. Okay. Uh, well, for a couple reasons, the the first of uh, the first one is I think Clay Thompson is outstanding. Obviously, everyone does. Yeah. Five time All Star, uh, elite defender. Uh, I'm not one of those people who thinks he's overrated defensively. He's of all the players uh, in the 2011 draft class, he's second in points. You know his his analytics are weird. By the way, we were talking about Avery Bradley last week how his analytics are weird. Clay's uh, career box plus minus is 0.7. Yeah, I saw it, yeah. It's weird. He's got like, uh, yeah, it's pretty strange. His numbers, like, they don't reflect, they don't reflect his, it's it's weird. Like, his career PER is like under 15. It's very strange. He's got some, he's got some odd, you were talking about his playoff numbers. He's got some odd, like, negative box plus minus in some playoff seasons. It's really, it's really weird. They don't, reflect how good a player he is like we were talking about with Avery Bradley but uh I put him there uh and it's not just because of how great he is but also like you said I was considering Kyrie too and uh I thought the best ability is availability and 
Kyrie Irving is always hurt. Yeah. You know, I did the math and all that crap, and you know, he's missed 176 games out of 704 possible games in his career so far. That's 25% of his career Kyrie Irving has spent on the bench. Yeah. And that's not including that's not even including the games that he's he will miss if the season comes back. He'll miss even more games. So I mean the guys I, and the guys always hurt. I mean you can't you can't knock that and like I was saying before if he you know if you take him he and he doesn't go to Cleveland uh you can't count on LeBron coming you can't count on you can't count on him as a number one guy one thing Kyrie Irving has proven is that you can't count on him as a number one guy and if right. you drafted him in the top five you're drafting him to be a number one guy and I know I just said the same thing about Clay Thompson that he's never been a number one guy but if I had to trust one person to be a number one guy Clay Thompson or Kyrie Irving I'd go with Clay Thompson first because i I trust him more. I like him. I, I think Clay Thompson is an easy guy to hand your franchise over to. So I went with Clay. What um one thing I wanted to ask about because I think this will probably be like these these two spots are are easily probably one of the more debatable that'll be in this draft. Did anything about because I thought about it too, and I and I think you should factor it in. And if and if I had factored it factored it in more, I probably would have flipped these two. Was there any part of thinking in your thought process for you know the fact that Kyrie, wherever he's been, you know there there's certainly been no shortage of rumors about um, his chemistry with yeah. his teammates, coaches, ability to be a leader, and Clay. You know, Clay's kind of like that lovable goofball. You know, at least from perception, Mm -hmm. you know, you have never heard. He's kind of just like, I go out there, I shoot when I'm open, I play, you know, like there's no issues there. But for Kyrie, um, that's been the case essentially wherever he's been. Was that, was, did that factor in at all? Absolutely a factor then. It has to factor in. Yeah. I mean, you have to at least think about it. Uh, I mean, he's played in the league how many years? Nine years, he's had uh, seven different coaches, is it? I think it's seven. Not seven, because he had the – because he just had Atkinson. Is it seven, or is the next one going to be a seventh? I think it's seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. No, the next head coach will it's be a seventh. It's going to be seven. In nine seasons. I mean, shit, that's – Yeah, I mean, certainly wow. LeBron's like, going to factor in that – in that a little bit, um, but certainly with with Look, Kenny Atkinson, it looks like you know he was the the prime culprit, at least based on what's been reported, in terms of relationships that were fractured. I mean, Kevin Durant wasn't even there, so how much did he really play a role? True, and I think Kyrie, and I think Kyrie uh, played a role in them going there in the first place. And I guess I mean. DeAndre Jordan didn't have the impact to get a coach fired. So. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> He's fucking DeAndre Jordan. Right. Yeah, if that's the case. I think the Nets are playing it, not to go off on too much of a tangent, I think the Nets are playing too, a dangerous game, handing their franchise over to a couple of guys like that. Yeah. I look, Dude, I remember, you know, we talked with uh, with Matt about that. I think, uh, I think that's a very good point, man. And, you know, it is a dangerous game. 
I think uh, next season is going to say a lot about where they go. So I think yeah. for the number four pick for me, you know, since we essentially probably swapped, although I'm not, I'm not going to put words in your mouth yet. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start us off here at four. Um, in reality, it was Tristan Thompson who came out of Texas. He went to the Cleveland Cavs. Um, I have Clay Thompson here. You know, Clay, uh, Chip said a lot about Clay. The only thing I'm going to add over here is that. The one thing I also love about Clay that probably doesn't get talked about enough, and I understand that, you know, in his role in the offense, when you have Curry and and Katie there for as long as he was, and even Draymond to an extent, you know, he's not going to have a lot of ball handling duties, but Clay doesn't turn the ball over. You know, he's very good with ball safety. Um, He's got a 60 point and a 52 point game on his resume. Um, he's played a ton of playoff games and he's had really, really big games and impactful games for the Warriors. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to gripe with Chip, uh, at all about, you know, him putting Clay above Kyrie. I bet you there's a lot of people who are listening that would, that would probably do that as well. Uh, did you have Kyrie at four? I went back and forth on this so many times. I really, I really 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 wanted to put Kemba Walker here because I like Kemba Walker so much more wow and and then I re- as I was doing filling out the list I like right before we went on even I was like it would be so disingenuous of me to put Kemba Walker ahead of Kyrie Irving that would be a tough Kyrie one Irving. that would be a yeah, tough Kyrie, one Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is better yeah. so I'd put Kyrie at four yeah okay Kyrie I have Kyrie at four we don't need to we don't need to go into more Kyrie Irving I've begrudgingly put him there. And that says a lot because I'm a Duke fan and I'm still saying begrudgingly because Kyrie Irving's not a real Duke player. Played there for 10 fucking seconds. It's true. So. It's true. Um, yeah. Number five, then we might have the same number five um, because in in, in reality it was uh, Jonas Valanciunas, I believe. Um, but I do have Kemba Walker here. Um, mm. You know, watching him in Connecticut obviously has nothing to do with his professional career but the guy is just flat out entertaining his step back is absolutely devastating four-time all-star won all nba selection um average 20 and 5 career he's a guy that you root for a guy that spent his his years in charlotte um you know for a lot of time yeah you know i mean um they they paid him but but still you know i i have a lot of respect for that um a guy that's you know gradually got better um, you, you wanted him to be an all-star in those years. Sometimes when he was like fringe and just on the way, you know, just, just off a little bit, you wanted him to get there. 36% from three wind shares above 50, a positive box plus minus. Um, I, you know, I think Kemba Walker is clearly one of the top players of this draft class. Uh, Chip, what do you say about him? Yeah. I mean, the anti Kyrie, like he's nine years he's been in the league. He's played 80 games, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six times. And his rookie year was the 66 game lockout season, and he played all 66. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's always uh, he's always healthy. He always plays, even on those shit uh, Charlotte teams Horrible. when they suck. He still Horrible. played all the time. He's. First in the 2011 draft class in games, first in minutes, first in points. I mean, the guy, by the way, do you, who do you think is uh, 
second in games in the 2011 draft class. Just uh, I'll say it because uh, I know neither one of us have him in our top 14. It's Bismarck Biombo. Oh, wow! Really <laughs> I was looking at that. Yeah, that's Bitch. pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, uh, how many years? I mean, yeah. I, I don't not that, that not that you know, but how many years did did Walker and Bismack play together? Did they did they play together on Charlotte or yeah, right or no? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they they were there together. Uh, yeah, Biombo's still there. Biombo's still there, but he didn't he play in Charlotte uh, two different times. Oh, I think he that's what it was. Out in Charlotte, and yeah, because he started out and then went back. Yeah. That's he true. With uh, he got drafted by them, and yeah, his first one, two, three, four years were in Charlotte, and then his, the past two years were in Charlotte. Yeah, but uh, Kemba, uh, Kemba wasn't with him this year, obviously. Okay. So he spent five years in total with Kemba, but uh, he got that big money from Orlando, and they dumped him off. Remember, they traded him for Mozgov. Yes. And oh that yes. Awful contract swap. Oh yes. Uh, the the no win trade. Oh God, pretty rough. Remember Mozgov? I thought Mozgov had that nice stretch in the playoffs for the Cavs when they won the finals. Yeah, yeah. Listen, he was skilled. It's not like he didn't have skill. It's not like he didn't have talent there. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it was. It was crazy. like the Chandler Parsons thing when yeah. a, a guy with that gets that amount of money, it kills him. He can oh, never yeah. recover from that. No, yeah. it's true. Um, okay, let's move on to number six here, Chip. I'm gonna let you start us off. Uh, back in 2000, t- back in 2011, this is where the Washington Wizards selected Jan Vesely, who I'm not gonna lie, didn't know anything about, but I remember seeing his tape when he was actually drafted, and I was like, damn, this guy is really skilled. Um, but from what I heard in like the little reading I did about him. It was just a really tough transition for him. He just never panned out. It wasn't like he didn't have talents, not like he didn't have the skill, like just struggled to like, you know, kind of make his mark amongst the other players. I'm sure coming overseas, I, I think that might have been a little difficult for him too. But um, yeah, a guy that just absolutely dropped off the face of the earth. Who did you have uh, at number six? I remember that when he got drafted, he immediately like made out with his girlfriend on national TV. Wow! See, I don't <laughs> even remember guy. that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. hilarious. That the is crowd, hilarious. The crowd like cheered and everything too. It was really <laughs> That's I'm great. Sure that that has to be on YouTube. That has to. Be yeah, on I I'm sure but, it is. Uh, yeah, that was really funny. Uh, but uh, number six, I took Isaiah Thomas. Got you. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant back in 2011. He yep. went with the last pick. I know he's fallen on hard times recently, but he had that incredible season for the Celtics back in uh, uh, 16, or 16, 17. He averaged 28.9 points, 5.9 assists, 46% shooting. Uh, that was, I mean, it was amazing. Like, just based off that two-year run with the Celtics alone, I think he, did he finish fourth in MVP voting or fifth? I couldn't. I think it was. Uh, I think it was fourth. I, I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, fifth, fourth, fifth, whatever. He uh, he was phenomenal those two years, and uh, he was uh, second team All NBA the, the uh, 
uh, 16-17 when he averaged 28 games, when he averaged 28 points. And I don't know. I, like I said, I know he's fallen on hard times recently. He couldn't defend. He got hurt. and He kind of got fucked by the Celtics. They traded him for Kyrie, whatever. whatever. But uh, And he missed out on a lot of money. That sucks. But uh, Kyrie, uh, Kyrie, Isaiah is a, a lesson, uh, I guess, to a lot of guys that uh, the NBA is not friendly. It's a business, right? So it's true. But uh, I would, uh, I would definitely put him here, just based on that two-year run he had the Cel- with the Celtics was so impressive and so fun to watch, and he was just like you described with Kemba, just the guy to root for. You know, two-time All Star. All NBA second team, uh, and he, you know, things didn't work out when he went to the Cavs and the Lakers and all that. But uh, he wasn't used to. He got used to running the show in Boston quickly, and then went to Cleveland, and he wasn't the guy there. He wasn't wasn't used to that, and uh, didn't want to go back to not being the guy. But uh, yeah, he. I mean, you could get another thirty point season out of him. Like Brad Stevens could, if you found the right coach for him, you could get some serious points out of him. Like and and Brad Stevens hiding him on the team's worst defender. Not every coach is going to devote that much time right. to Isaiah Thomas when he's not the Brad Stevens did because he was the number one guy in Boston. <clears throat> Tyron Lue's not going to do that in Cleveland, you know. But yeah, I put I put Isaiah at six. Yeah, man. So we are we're five for six here. Uh, I also have Isaiah here. Um, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, and I mean, dude, the way that he played after his, his sister tragically passed away, just, just unbelievable, you know, so much heart. Um, he seemed like a guy who, who embraced Boston and and the Celtics and just to see him with his, you know, obviously shorter stature, you know, just drive through the lane, finish, uh, in traffic, absorb contact. Like this guy was, um, a warrior you know, at his best. And, uh, he was, he was good. And, and he put up numbers with Sacramento too. I mean, um, you know, he, he was good and he obviously, I think he deserves to be high on this list. I don't care how short his peak period of time was in the NBA. Um, clearly this is a guy that, that, that could have done more, maybe even if he, he stayed in Boston. Um, but with that, I think we'll, we'll head to number seven. (laughs) <laughs> speak of the devil, Bismack Biombo, uh, who was selected by the Sacramento Kings. Oh, he went seventh? Yeah, he went seventh. Um, so I went here with a guy who, uh, as a uh, a closet or not-so-closeted Magic fan, I'm sure you're very aware of, but I, I went with Nikola Vucevic <laughs> here. Um, so one-time All-Star, uh, 16-10. and 10. Uh, win shares are, are all right, you know, a positive box plus minus. Interestingly enough, both the offensive and defensive box plus minus are, are, are positive. Uh, playoff numbers are, are pretty non-existent. Um, don't think he should be penalized too much for playing in Orlando. But surprisingly, um, with some of the guys that I was considering uh, having him either below or above, uh, Vucevic is rebound percentage and assist percentage for his teams were actually fairly high. So the reason I kind of had Vucevic a little bit higher is obviously, you know, he, he knows how to get his numbers. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about that, but I, I, I like the way he play makes a little bit 
Um, so I had him a little bit higher here. Uh, who, who'd you go with for number seven? Uh, I'm surprised you put Vucevic there. I didn't, I didn't even consider him for too long. He, I put Tobias Harris here. Okay. Um, I know, I know Vucevic is an, has been an all-star. Um, I think this season proved that last season was a little misleading. Uh, I think last season was a little, uh, bit of a contract year performance from him. Uh, and I really like Tobias Harris. I think he, if, uh, if back in, uh, 2011, if we were to know that the NBA were going to trend towards the three point shot, I don't think Nikola Vucevic would go ahead of Tobias Harris, a guy who could shoot like this. So I think you need to take that into account too, in my opinion. But, uh, I like that Tobias Harris is versatile, versatile defender. I mean, he's not a number one guy. He's proven that this year. Is he? Uh, I know people are complaining he hasn't lived up to his contract in Philadelphia, whatever. But he's not a number one guy. What what did they expect from him to all of a sudden at age twenty seven jump up to scoring twenty five points a game? Come on, look, the guy's a twenty point game scorer, and uh, at the uh, at the number seven pick, if you can get a 20-point-per-game scorer for his career, I think you're pretty satisfied with that. I think that's what Tobias Harris is, but I think I put him ahead of Vucevic because I trust him more uh, as a shooter consistently. I think I think Vucevic thinks he's as good a shooter as Tobias Harris is. <laughs> but uh, I also I put him ahead of Vucevic uh, ultimately because Vucevic just can't defend his own shadow. He's just a horrible defender, and Tobias Harris is a plus defender, and Vucevic is a negative on defense. He really is. He's abysmal. So yeah, but I, I mean, uh, I guess the only thing for for me, I, and I, I listen, I'm not going to put too much weight on one All Star appearance as opposed to none because the All Star selections are a popularity contest. But I do think it it says something that Vucevic, you know, Harris has been on some some decent teams. Um, I guess I would expect the analytics to be a little higher for him as opposed to Vucevic, but I mean, there's no question that Harris on a contending team in the Eastern Conference, and I'll, I'll, you know, I actually do have Harris at eight, so I'm not, um, I'm not too low on Harris, but, uh, on a Mm -hmm. contending team in the Eastern Conference, Harris is clearly an important player, um, and you know, listen, he scored nine straight season, uh, nine straight seasons of thirteen to fourteen points a game. And I actually think probably the one of the most impressive parts about Harris is he's somewhat of an Iron Man, uh, especially in the last three seasons. Like the guy doesn't miss a lot of games, so I, I, I'm definitely not low on on Harris. Um, I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair argument. I mean, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't be up in arms if if you're like, yeah, you know what? I mean, Harris is better than Vucevic. Um, who do you have at uh, eight? Uh, I put Vuce at eight. Okay. I I mean, you. I put Harris above him, but I don't think I put anybody else in the draft above him. I didn't really consider that long. Uh, I think that he's had a he's had a good career, good solid career, as good as anybody else left in the draft. Uh, I got outside of, you know, I think uh, seven guys ahead of him, I think are, are all better. 
but uh, I think that he's he's a guy who we've seen what a Nikola Vucevic team in Orlando is. You know, like it's a he can get you to forty wins maybe. Right. No, and he can make if he's the number one guy. Did you? No, but did he's not a number one guy? Did you want the Magic to give him the contract they gave him? Or were you were you kind of of the mindset like well like who else are they going to sign, or were you kind of like you know what, we can find that production maybe elsewhere or or that type of production that leads was, us to the same amount of wins. I think they could have let him walk for sure. I think they probably should have let him walk. Although it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback, right? But but uh, I would have been fine with them letting him go i think that he but that would have been them saying but they, they never would let him go after making the playoffs and him becoming an all-star yeah so they were backed into that corner yeah because they hadn't had an all-star since dwight howard he was their first all-star they since dwight left and it was the first time they made the playoffs since dwight left and they they marketed the crap out of that and all that and uh, but he's not part of the future, Booch. So, you know, the future of the franchise is Jonathan Isaac. So, Aaron Gordon, right. Markel Fultz. Uh, and you can't have that many non-shooters and also have Nikola Vucevic. Right. So, eventually, you're going to need to move him. But, uh, yeah, but he's, I don't know. We're going off on a tangent now. No, I know, I know, but uh, I, I, I understand what you're saying, though. I mean, uh, it, it makes sense to me. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, like, like some of the teams that we've been talking about. The, it's, it's going to be a big summer whenever, whenever that happens. Um, but I'm pretty pumped to get well, into. They're in hell. They're in purgatory. <laughs> they're in purgatory because, yeah. because they're not, they're not bad enough to be to be a top five pick but they're not good enough to get out of the first round right they're in the worst spot in the nba right worst spot in the nba um and i think that's going to lead us over to uh the number nine pick in reality this was kemba walker and i forgot to mention number eight it was brandon knight um out of kentucky and uh with number nine here um chip did i go first last time or did did you i think i did I All forget. Right. We were just talking about the magic. Yeah, so I think we I got it. We went into a um, magic wormhole for the for a little bit. Um, yeah. So I, I I like I like this pick a lot. For me, um, I I I did not realize how valuable he was, um, but I went with Jonas Valanciunas here. Um, so a, a career career numbers that are not really gonna blow you out of the water. 12 and 8 for his career, a surprising 36% from three, but it was really only kind of one season where he shot it well. He's not a floor spacer. The win shares are very decent for a guy like him. Um, the majority of his career, and I think this is what got me, he's played over 25 minutes a game. He's got a positive box plus minus, and, and his playoff numbers I liked a lot. Um, you know, he averaged a double double twice when he was with Toronto and his career he's been he spent 5 seasons in the postseason and he's 12 and 9 so he's just almost at a double double for those 5 seasons career 76% from the line so he's not a big liability there um i guess i was just surprised to see a, a big man who's not a floor spacer 
with this type of positive impact. Um, and I just, I just felt like compared to some of the other guys, I feel like this guy, I'm, I'm not going to say it's the, the peak performance is not nearly as great as guys that are above him, but he's done it for long enough and consistent enough that I think he should be on this list and, and around this area. I think, uh, who did you have at nine? Yeah, we're, uh, same minds again, man. I have oh, wow. Valanciunas here too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, not not nearly disagreeing as much as I thought. We I were know. Doing, Me too. Uh, on this one, yeah. Um, but yeah, I got Jonas Valanciunas here too. Uh, I always thought he was underrated. Uh, he's a really good player, but uh, he was really uh, underrated in Toronto, and now he's. I mean, he's really thriving in Memphis. Yeah. But, um. But, yeah, I mean, for all the reasons you just mentioned, I mean, I was surprised uh, when I was looking at uh, basketball reference. I didn't realize his, I mean, how many win shares he had. His yeah. 50, uh, 51 and a half win shares. He's top five. And uh, I almost put him ahead of Vooch. Yeah. Just because uh, he's got, he's, some of his numbers are more impressive than Vooch's. I thought uh, about got, it, too. He's got, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, Vooch did have the, if Vooch's season last year sets him apart, but before last season, Vooch's career didn't look so hot, but you know, I mean, uh, Valanciunas is one of those guys that every coach likes to have. Yeah. I feel like he does the dirty work. He's, you know, he's not like an elite defender or anything, but he's like a bruiser. You know, he can, in a league where like big men are always out asked to, uh, spread the floor and all that. He's not really a, well, you just say he's not a floor spacer. I think he's, he's he made seventy four threes in his whole career. So he, yeah, he's not a floor spacer. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but um, he's not asked to be in Memphis either. So that's why he works there. They have they have other guys that can do that. They have other big men to do that. So, uh, yeah, I he's been underrated his whole career, and I, I. That was a, a no-brainer to put him up there. I like him. I think he's definitely worthy of being up there. And a great, great rebounder, too. Just a oh, yeah. big, great rebounder. Strong as hell, dude. Strong yeah. as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we're, we're on the same page with that. I'm, I'm very interested. Although I keep saying this, and we've actually been, with the exception of two picks, um, on the same page generally but i think the 10 to 14 spots i think there'll be a little bit more variability but we'll see um so mm-hmm. in in reality this was the jimmer for debt pick in real life um, Oh boy! yeah man what Jimmer. a what a name drop right like took the country by storm um once a nick always a nick actually played in the garden <laughs> like once or <laughs> twice or whatever um so who i went with here <clears throat> and this is a pick I don't think is going to be supported by the numbers a lot, but I've seen a lot of him play um, in Boston and most recently with New York, and I have Marcus Morris here. Um, the The numbers aren't great, 12-4 and four for his career, 36% from three is not you know fantastic. Scored in double figures for six straight seasons, had a... Uh, 15 point and 17 points per game playoff series with the Celtics shot over 40% from three twice to me what what gave Morris the edge over uh 
some of the other guys for me is that I think that he still um, is a wanted player in the NBA. I know that his production once he got traded to the Clippers went down, but he's a guy that when he becomes a free agent this year is going to have no shortage of suitors. Teams like him. Uh, when he was the main man with the Knicks, albeit on a terrible team, he didn't shy away from it. He put up decent numbers. He had probably one of his best seasons, if not his best season shooting the ball in a very tough market. Um, so there's a lot of intangible things here, and, and you could call it recency bias. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of him this year, but I have Marcus Morris here. Who'd you go with for 10? Wow, that's surprising. I yeah. mean, awfully high for Marcus Morris. I'm, I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, I did not have Marcus Morris here. I had Tristan Thompson here. Okay. I guess, I I mean, maybe that's a surprise. I, I don't know. I, I thought uh, I thought that was a good one. Uh, I like Tristan Thompson. Uh, I think he's, again, like Jonas Valanciunas, I think he's underrated. Uh, his uh, career numbers, I guess they're not spectacular either uh 9.4 points 8.7 rebounds uh you know he's uh morris has better numbers for his career but uh i think i'd take thompson over him just because i don't know he he's honestly i didn't even consider morris to go this high i don't know why i really I, i really didn't i just thought i was looking at everything and Tristan Thompson I saw Tristan Thompson's name and I immediately put him here and I wasn't even looking at like the analytics or anything and uh Thompson's uh analytic like his box plus minus is bad so and Morris's isn't very good either yeah so I wasn't even looking at that I just saw Tristan Thompson was in the 2011 draft and I was like I gotta have him high up there because I Tristan Thompson can play like he's he's a good player. He definitely like good. when we um like when they were replaying the the 2000 like the finals, I forget whether it was like the the 2015 or 61. Like you can see Tristan Thompson's value like literally fighting tooth and nail for every rebound um when, you know, people are sagging off LeBron and and, and daring him to shoot. Um like he had a he had a big role in those. Um I guess for me, I, 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 I guess it's just I think uh, I don't know. I think Morris is is still going to have a couple more years in him, even when he whether he resigns. I don't know who he's going to sign with next year, but where, wherever he goes next year, I think he's still going to have a couple more years in him of of being either a starter or you know um, one of the first guys off the bench um, on a on a on a good team. And I'm not and I'm not so sure that. Thompson, and I don't know when his his contract is going to end. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case for him, but it might. I mean, like they're both they're both. It's funny because they're both role players. Even though, like, I might tend to give a a little bit of a um, a favoritism to to the guy with with the the different skill set in terms of shooting. But like, if you need a, a guy to defend and get rebounds, like yeah, Tristan Thompson can absolutely do that. Um, so uh, yeah, I you know I I think it's a I think it's an interesting debate for sure, but I think that's a good place. Uh, we'll we'll transition over here to the eleventh pick. Um, so as as we're moving on from from Morris, 
Uh, in reality, this went to Clay Thompson, who we've already talked a lot about. Uh, what an immense value draft pick for Golden State. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich uh, was who I had here. Uh, career 14 points, three rebounds a game. A really, really, um, really prolific shooter. 39% from three, 85 from the line. Win shares are not great. But I guess similar in my argument for Morris, Bogdanovich is like a guy that um, is going to continue to get contracts because of the way he spaces the floor. Uh, and particularly what, what amazes me about him is that like he's getting better. Like This season, he's averaging 18 points a game with the Pacers, which is only two points off his career high. Um, and uh, I, I, I think he's just an important player to have on a, a, a team in the modern NBA. Chip, who do you, uh, who do you have here? You mean with the Jazz? Yeah. He's with the Jazz. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, no, I I was looking at his stats, too. It's I forgot he, his numbers aren't as impressive as some of the other guys because he spent three years overseas or whatever after uh, he was drafted. So he's not – he doesn't have, like, like you mentioned, he doesn't have the same win shares as those guys. He doesn't have the same points as those guys. But he still – he didn't come over here till he was 25. And then Brooklyn, uh, he played a little bit in Brooklyn, and he didn't really hit his stride until he came to Indiana. But just based on these last two years in Indiana and Utah, I mean, I think he goes here. I got Bogdanovich here too, or Boydanovich, Bogdanovich, whatever. I always, I always get it mixed up. Um, he he's just gotten so much better and you mentioned it, the key like he's 39 percent shooter 86 from the line 46 overall he's lights out guy's just dead eye shooter every day every time he shoots you think it's going in he just really and he used to be like a dreadful defender too he's not he's really not that bad a defender anymore he's not like a great defender or anything but he's good enough to be a Good enough to be a starter. He started all 63 games this year. Started 81 out of 81 last year. 80 out of 80 the year before for uh, Indiana. So he's he's really uh, morphed himself from uh, a guy who struggled as a 25-year-old rookie into a legitimate NBA starter. So I he's impressive. And, yeah, I'm putting him here because he's one of the better offensive wing players in the NBA. Yeah, he he's he's important to have on your team, and and you find that that teams yeah. that do have him, you know, they're typically in the in the top half, right? Um, and you know, there's not a lot of uh, of teams that will sign him, and and they just suck. You know, he does bring a lot to your offense. Um, so as we move closer towards the end here, we have three picks left, I believe. In reality, Alex Burks, Alec Burks went at twelve uh, to Utah. I have a feeling, and again, I keep saying it. But Chip and I have been pretty on the money and, and in agreement um, for most of these picks. But I think, but I think this is where it's going to start to get interesting because I I think that Chip doesn't like this guy a lot. But I have him at number twelve, um, and it's a guy who was very very much maligned during his Nick career in some ways, rightfully so. But I think that uh, given the situation, he can be a very useful basketball player. So I'm going to put Ennis Cantor at number 12 here. 
Um, averaged 11 and 7 for his career, 54% shooting, win shares uh, just above 43. A positive box plus minus, which is interesting because everybody in the world will tell you that his lack of defense will just destroy your team, which I don't think is necessarily true. Um, it is true that his defense is bad, and it is true that team said put him in the pick and roll um, in terms of can't running. Can't play Cantor. <laughs> Wait, oh, yeah, can't play Cantor. Yeah, it is true that that happened, um, but it's also true that he was a, a very good player for the Portland Trailblazers last year, specifically in the playoffs, uh, almost averaged 11 and 10. Um, I was even comparing him to Tristan Thompson. Most of his numbers are, are better than Thompson's, uh, obviously besides the defensive analytics. And and here's my thing on Cantor. Uh, and I guess it, you, you could argue that like maybe I put him here because I was upset with the the Knicks Twitter brigade that you know essentially felt like he shouldn't step foot shouldn't step foot on an NBA court. But um, after after he left the Knicks, you know what? Some really good teams with some really smart GMs and coaches they decided that you know what we want Ennis Cantor on our team. And yeah, that's because they they you know had some good teams with good cultures and. He fills a niche that they needed, whether it's offensive rebounding or post-scoring off the bench. But Ennis Cantor has a place in today's NBA, and, and regardless of what people want to say about him, he's got a really good, decent array of post moves. He can score pretty easily, um, and you know it's it's no surprise that he keeps himself in shape. That teams keep giving him contracts. Teams teams keep paying keep paying him. Um, Chip, who'd you have here at twelve? Okay, well, don't judge a book by its cover, because I took Anna Cantor here. Hey, wow, this is really crazy. Now, it doesn't mean that I disagree with anything that you just said about him <laughs> and his defense. And But first of all, you just made a big deal out of how uh, this a well-run team just decided to pick him up. He's averaging... 17 and a half minutes a game on the Celtics right now. So let's not make it up like he's a key contributor to their success. Okay. I know. I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying the way he's that not... the, the way that, you know, uh, certain people would, would have you believe that again, he should be, you know, carrying the towels and, and the water bottles. That's, that's, you know, and I understand no, that's a low bar, but, but you know, he's, he's a solid NBA player. No, it's it's not that. It's just that he was, you know, he was a starter with the Knicks. You know, he was right. playing 30 minutes a game, 25, 30 minutes a game every single night. And he shouldn't be that player on that team or really on any team. He's a bench player. And he was – so he was – it's kind of like the Julius Randle thing. It was yet another Nick who's miscast, you know? So – true. It really wasn't. It really wasn't his fault completely. He was annoying, but uh, it wasn't really his fault completely. <laughs> he was. Annoying. I also thought when I was when I was looking him up, I I thought it was uh, really funny on on his Wikipedia page under career highlights and awards. It says WWE twenty four seven champion. I thought that wow. was pretty really fucking hilarious. Wow, <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, but um. That's probably probably the uh, uh, best pick there. I, I I mean, in terms like 
you said I was uh, I was impressed that his uh, at his uh, box plus minus was so high. I mean, yeah. negative point two. That since he has a career, I think every single season of his career, his defensive box minus has been negative and significantly negative. I think for the most part. So that I mean that just shows how good his offensive numbers have generally been. Right. So. He's always he's always been a guy who's gotten his numbers. That's for sure. It's true. It's he's true. always scored when he's been in the game. That's never been the problem. It's just that you know he can't defend and he can't really pass. So that's why he's you know that's why he's twelfth or whatever instead of uh what was he third originally? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why he's twelve. That's why he's dropped nine spots. Who um the last. Two picks here. Um, in reality, I believe Markeith Morris was taken here. Chip, who do you have at 13? I took Marcus Morris here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I I mean, I, I didn't realize that uh, you were going to consider him so high. I didn't think, uh, you know, I, I liked him when he was a Nick. So I, I thought about him. Uh him and his brother, you know, uh, going in the lottery here. But uh, I think his, I think he's better, a uh, better player than his brother. Yeah. But, uh, but um, yeah, I, I put him here. I think his, uh, you mentioned his career numbers before, 12 points. But, you know, he's career 43% shooter, 36% from three, 30 win shares. You know, he's. He's had a nice career. He's had some seven thousand points. He's a uh, top uh, top ten, and uh, you know it's pretty scary, like how almost equal his numbers are with his brothers. It is scary. Like, uh, it's Mark it's Keefe. weird, man. It's very weird. Yeah, Mark Keefe has scored seven thousand two hundred fifty points in his career, and Marcus has scored seven thousand two hundred forty eight. <laughs> That's pretty scary. It is, and yeah. Markeith has played uh, 16,145 minutes, and Marcus has played 16,181. Like, mm. that's really fucking weird. Yeah. But uh, I just thought that was weird. But, um, yeah, I, I put Marcus here. I just – I liked watching him with New York. I, I thought about putting him a little higher, but, uh, no, I I don't know. I thought my uh, choices were good. You know, I, I didn't really go by the numbers here with the Tristan Thompson. Going a little high, I went more by uh, more by other things. But I like Marcus Morris. I, I he's too good not to put in the uh, the lottery. Yeah, so I, I had to put him here. I agree with that. I also, it's funny when you were talking about picks that were not no, not necessarily by the numbers. The last two picks for me here were kind of like me changing my thought process a little bit because after after our 2010 draft, I was kind of like. I went back and I was like, damn, Jeff, like, how did you really leave Lance Stevenson off the the top 14? And then so, you did. For, yeah, man. And so I, with this one, I, I really wanted to make sure that like, of course, sample size matters and how long you were at your peak matters. But I also wanted like, who was, who was a really good play? Like who was really good at their peak? 
what impact did they have for their team? What impact did they have in the NBA? So um, my last two picks here, I think will kind of reflect that a little bit. So for 13, I went with Chandler Parsons, um, who has absolutely been ravished and devastated by injuries. Um, but when I looked at his first couple of years in, in Houston and, and obviously with Dallas as well, 12 and 4, 37%. Uh, shooting from three, uh, win shares, you know, at, when you get this low in the lottery, they're not going to be super high, you know, they're just below 30, but a positive box plus minus. Um, I think what, what, what put Chandler Parsons here and cemented him was that he had two really good playoff series for Houston, where you could really argue that he was the second best player on the squad. He was averaging around 18 to 19 points per game six boards, and he shot lights out from three. Um, and I and I think that there's enough of decent Chandler Parsons to say that he was one of the more talented players in this draft. Um, it's just crazy what happened. Multiple knee injuries. He, had, he was in a car crash earlier this January. Uh, the Grizzlies gave him a, a really ridiculous contract. They maxed him. Um, he hasn't played above 36 games since the 2015-2016 season. Really, his time with the Grizzlies was weird. You know, he was like yelling at the GM during shoot-around, I think, at one point. Like, there's a lot of craziness involved in Chandler Parsons' career. But I think when all is said and done and you compare him to some of the players in this draft, like, there's some of the highs are, are pretty good for him. Um and I, I was going to – you had already given me your 13th, right? That It was Morris? Yeah. Okay. So we're yeah, going gonna... doesn't, to – it doesn't really matter because we have the same guy. I put Parsons there too. Oh, wow. And okay. And, uh, yeah. I thought – you know, I went back and forth a couple times with between him and Kenny Fareed because I really like Fareed. Yeah. But uh, I think it's interesting you brought up the impact thing because I thought like – I was actually thinking, and I did this with like every pick, like who is a bit, was a bigger star on their team? Like in the most, everybody's always like the most important thing is who can put the ball in the basket, who can right. score more, I guess. But and Chandler Parsons is, yeah, you know, he's a he's a guy who I you mentioned he's the second best player on a team at one point, and uh, as impressive as Kenneth Reed was, and as underrated as I think he was. He was never regarded as highly as Chandler Parsons was at one point. And uh, I was looking at, you know, I guess his peak would be his three years in Houston to his two years in Dallas. Right. And he, he had 27.7 win shares in those five years. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah. His, his box work minus 1.7, Vorp 10.4. Those are good numbers. Yeah. Uh, and. And usage percentage uh, below twenty percent. Right. It's not like he had. The, it's not like he had the ball in his hand the whole time. So I mean, he was putting up good numbers, and uh, you know, I, I don't know, just an impressive guy. Average fifteen points a game in Dallas, fifteen points a game in Houston. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's and he's a you know he's, he's it's not like he's on the the level of Grant Hill and Trace McGrady and all that, but he's he's on the level of a he's in the list what could have been guys like 
you know, because he, he went to a, a good Memphis team. And if he had been at, if like a, a prime Chandler Parsons had been added to Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, would have been a special team. Yeah. But, but I think Dallas and Memphis would have known better because Dallas obviously knew something was up when they said, we're not going to offer him the money. Right. But uh, yeah, I, you make the best point there. I mean, at his peak, he put together that five year run. That was, I mean, impressive. Yeah. He put together some good games and, you know, Houston let him walk and Dallas let him walk. And I think obviously he's, you know, he's 31 now, but his, his best years are far behind him. And it's, it's kind of sad, I guess, but uh, he's also made a lot of money. So <laughs> he's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, it is sad, but you're right. Uh, he's been, he's been well compensated for sure. Um, so I, I, I just like, uh, my, my brain just like went elsewhere for a minute. Was, was Chandler Parsons your, your 13th or your 14th? My 14th, my 13th, I went with Morris. Okay. So I actually, so it's funny. So we, so we were a little different because I had, I had Chandler at 13. Um, and I, I still got one more. I still got one more. So I, I, my, my 14th, um, so this was this was where originally it was the other Morcus, Morris twin. It was Marcus. Um, so I actually went at fourteen with and again small sample size alert here, but I just felt like and, and I'm you know if he's not fourteen, I think he's got to be fifteen or sixteen. He's got to be in the running. But Nikola Miritich, um, very small sample size, but you know had a pretty pretty impactful career when he was on teams you know probably got famous with the bulls probably most famous for getting snuffed by bobby portis uh in practice but interestingly enough a a positive box plus minus when i don't think he has really the reputation of a good defender at all um there was one playoff series and i had to do a double take with this chip but he had one playoff series with the pelicans where he averaged like almost 15 and 10 and shot 43 percent from three um, he That's had, he had four seasons where he shot over 35% from three. He was a fairly productive player wherever he went. Um, with the exception of his rookie year, he played over 24 minutes a game and scored in double figures. You know, I think he only has what, like five or six years in the league. And then he was out. Um, yeah, but you know, but Meritich, I, I think, uh, at his, at his peak was an important player in the NBA, uh, an important role player, floor spacer to have on your squad. Um, you know, but splitting hairs there with him and Parsons, I like Parsons more. That's why I, I had him a little bit higher, but, um, you know, Miritich is a, is an interesting guy to talk about as well. Yeah. I left him off there, uh, just because his career was pretty short Yep, and, you know, he didn't even, unlike Bogdanovich, he, you know, he, he stayed overseas just like Bogdanovich did. So he, uh, came over later and uh, unlike Bogdanovich he didn't even play this year he went overseas back overseas I don't know if he's going to come back to the league at some point but uh that's what kept him off for me but uh no he's he had a really good career it was shocking that he left the league but uh and he had some good games with the Bucks too yeah he he could have got serious he could have got serious money this year yeah. Or not this year, this past summer. 
No, I agree. Um, I definitely agree. Uh, that's, I mean, dude, it's it's an interesting draft. Like there, there are some interesting names on there for sure. I mean, like Kenneth Reed was a guy mm-hmm. I was looking at a lot. Obviously, Tristan Thompson too. Um, interesting draft for sure. Love the fact that Isaiah Thomas was uh, 60th, and we both had him um, in the top mm-hmm. nine, or I think we both had him at seven, I think, or something like that. Um, but yeah, that that concludes. Our, our little rundown of the uh, of the 2011 redraft um, you know if you guys hear it if you when we post it on Twitter if you want to drop a line tell us what you think tell us if you think you're idiots if you think we're gen- if you think we're geniuses uh, whatever whatever you want we're more than happy um, to hear the feedback um, and you know next week you know we're gonna hit the 2012 draft and chip and I were talking offline a little bit. Another idea that that we're thinking about is really trying to feature some some writers that cover some of the other teams in the league, and you know, because we don't know when the NBA is coming back, we're not sure what um, what timeline that's going to look like, and we want to start to talk to other writers about what they think their team's off season is going to look like, what the draft preparation is going to look like, and we're going to try and do it in an A to Z va- fashion. So we're gonna start off with the Bucks. Um, you know, I don't know if we're gonna do this in within the next week or two, but we're gonna be looking for some Bucks riders out there and and basically riders um, for for any team. So if you are listening to this and you know you you cover a, a team and, and you feel confident about um, you know the 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 knowledge that you have for the team, you know, shoot us. A DM on Twitter or whatever. If you want to come on and, and talk about them, that would be um, more than cool. We would we would love that. Uh, Chip, what do you have as as we're kind of finishing off this this one down and uh, getting ready for 2012 next week? I uh, I think I'm good on this path. I mean, I said everything I want to say. I you know the only guy that I left off that I didn't get to talk about was uh, Kenny Fareed. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I kind of mentioned him before and you just mentioned him. I, I really like Kenny Fareed. So it did, uh, that was the one guy that it really stung me to uh, leave off. But uh, the, the 2012 draft is going to be interesting because uh, you got, you know, you got AD at the top. Yep. And then there's Neil, there's Dame. And there's Drummond, and then outside of that, it's kind of yuck, <laughs> you yeah. know. So 2012 is pretty interesting, and I I don't mean that in like a positive way. But... <laughs> so maybe maybe we have to bring on like a uh, like a musician or something like that that can like play uh, play some type of music like halfway through our picks or something like just to jazz it up a bit or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, another awesome episode. Chip, as always, love doing these with you. Uh, to everybody listening out there, continue to stay safe. And we will talk to you guys next week.